Proverbs chapter 11. If you recall, last time I was standing before you preaching, we uh, went through Hebrew or Proverbs 10. And so um, we'll just kind of continue on uh, through Proverbs. There's, uh, you know, I said last time, it seems like when you get to chapter 10, you start getting these little, you know, kind of one verse, uh, maybe two or three verse type uh, Proverbs. And, uh, you know, just go verse by verse and look through them and see what we can learn from them, uh, gain the wisdom that is given here uh, by God and try to apply these things uh, to our lives. And, you know, I, I enjoy, personally enjoy the book of Proverbs. Um, you know, as I read through um, the book and through, the, through these verses, you know, things that I encounter in my day-to-day life come to mind. Uh, things that other people have told me uh, come to mind. And so I'm sure you're a lot the same way. And as we go uh, through today, I'm sure you'll you know think back on your own life and some of your own experiences and uh, understand uh, even deeper than, than maybe what, what I'll say or present, uh, bring those things to mind and understand the wisdom here. Let's just begin there. In verse 1 of chapter 11, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Uh, and you you know, you know can think through all kind of different uh, scales. You can think about measuring out grain, measuring out, um, you know, going to the co-op and buying mulch. You know, anything uh, of the sorts, you know, um, I don't know about y'all, but I'm always thinking, well, you know, if I go buy some mulch, I want me a big heaping scoop, you know, because if I paid for a yard, I, you know, we need a heaping yard uh, of that. of that, And, um, you know, what a, what a negative thing or what a negative uh, connotation you would get in your business. And you can, I mean, you see this, that, you know, if you were to go to the hardware store and buy something by the weight, buy nails by weight, you buy nails by weight at, a lot of hardware stores and, you know, think about if it got out in time that military hardware down here was, you know, had their scales rigged and they were uh, essentially stealing from people all day, every day. Same thing with gas pumps. If you look on the gas pumps, they're registered by the state of Mississippi. Those are, those are checked to make sure that these different gas stations around aren't stealing from us just one little piece at a time. Uh, and God here is telling us that's an abomination to him to, to cheat people in those little ways and in those small ways. So, you know, just or, or honest scales would be um, a pleasure to the Lord, but dishonest scales are an abomination to Him. It says there, but a just weight is His delight. So giving people, you know, think about it from owning a business, uh, giving people what they pay for uh, from you. Of course, you can think about that in a lot of ways. Uh, giving uh, your boss his, you know, the X amount of hours. Don't be cheating in that way, uh, whatever that may be. Verse 2, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I think about, um, and I could really think on my own life, but, you know, you can, you think back to someone that's prideful and they've, you know, boasted some great, you know, how they're so great and this and that. And, you know, it's not long, something's going to knock them down, you know, and you just kind of grin. <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know. Uh, but 
the arrogant seem to be brought down further because they've they've boasted themselves way up here, and it's it, life happens to all of us. Uh, you know, something, someone is going to humble all of us in this life, but yet the proud or the arrogant gets brought even lower because they've lifted themselves so far up, and so there's further uh, for them to fall. So he says here, when pride comes, then comes shame. And, of course, we can all uh, think back on some experiences with that. But with the humble is wisdom. And so, you know, the, the Bible talks a lot about uh, humility uh, and, of course, pride and those being uh, pitted against one another. Um, but, you know, you think about it, the, the humble person doesn't suffer the same shame that the proud or the arrogant do. Um, it's just not, it doesn't happen to those people, at least in not in, in such that way. Verse 3, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. The integrity of the upright uh, will, will guide them. Look at verse 5. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright. Uh, this idea of directing is also this idea of make smooth or make straight. So the righteousness of the blameless will make straight uh, or make smooth his way. And then in verse 3, the integrity of the upright will guide them. And so, you know, when I, when I see the word integrity, I think of character. Um, so no matter what, what's going on in this person's life, their character, their integrity is going to guide them where they need to go. The righteousness of the, of the blameless there in verse 5 will make or smooth his way, make his way straight or smooth his way. It's just going to be easier for this person, the righteous person. Uh, Solomon here is telling us it's, just, it's going to be an easier life. Uh, and it, your character, your integrity will guide you through the tough times is what I see there in verse 3, that you're, it's going to be a guide to you. The, the latter part of verse 3 and the latter part of verse 5, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Verse 5, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. And so, uh, just think back to verse 3 there, look back at verse 3, the perversity uh, of the unfaithful will destroy them uh, and the wickedness will fall by his own wickedness. And, I, you know, I said last time, keep in mind when we're, when we're going through, through this, you know, the, the righteous and the wicked what all said about those two characters. And there's a lot that's mentioned about, about that righteousness or righteous. Uh, righteous or righteousness is mentioned, and I didn't count, but a lot of times throughout the book of Proverbs and the wicked or wickedness is also mentioned a lot. And, you know, you just kind of keep, keep a tab in your mind of what this looks like and what it does, where it leads, where, it, where is it going to take you or where does it take anyone um, it's going to ultimately destroy uh, destroy you. Verse 4, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Uh, there's all kind of New Testament passages that come, come to mind here, but uh, he's telling us that the things we accumulate in life, the riches do not profit in the day of wrath. We can't take them with us. Uh, Peter tells us they're all going to be burned up. They're going to be consumed uh, by fire. Uh, these things will not last. They, they're not going to be what takes us through at the end. 
we all understand that riches in this life seem to uh, make this life a little bit easier, a little, uh, at least in some ways. Uh, it makes it uh, easier on us. But he says there, in the end, they don't matter. Uh, they do matter here to some level, but at the end, they don't matter at all. They're not going to be what gets you... And I, I read this as the day of judgment, the day of wrath. In the end, uh, they're not going to be what matters. But righteousness delivers from death. So he tells us it's not riches, but it's righteousness. Righteousness is what God's looking for, and righteousness is what is going to matter. So we need to be investing uh, our time in uh, being more righteous because uh, that is what is going to matter. We'll skip verse 5 because we kind of talked about that with, in conjunction with verse 3. In verse 6, The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. Uh, pretty similar to verse 3 and 5. Uh, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them. I think that to be a lot like verse 3. But the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. And you can... Um, you know, at least this brings imagery to my mind. Uh, the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. You know, the things, um, an, un, an un, unrighteous person, uh, a sinful person, their lusts are just always getting them. They're catching them. They're not able to, uh, well, they're not willing, I guess is a better way to put that, uh, to be righteous in that way and to not be caught by them. Uh, ultimately. Verse 7, When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, but the hope and the hope of the unjust perishes. Um, in my mind, I think about uh, just the the unenduring um, expectation or hope uh, there. It's not going to last. The wicked man, when a wicked man dies, his expectation perishes. You know, so what, what he's doing, uh, his hope, it just all comes to nothing uh, in the end. And righteousness is what ultimately uh, endures. And remember, these, this idea of wickedness and righteousness are, are pitted against one another. Verse 8, The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. And, you know, here this idea of, of, a, of a smooth way for the righteous person. Uh, the righteous individual is delivered from whatever trouble uh, that there is. Uh, but it comes to the wicked. Um, you know, we know this to not be, uh, or I guess the be- maybe the best way to put this is uh, think through, does uh, trouble come to the righteous? Yes, Job was righteous. Paul is righteous. Um, but ultimately, I think the message here is the smoother way is to be righteous, um, and it, ultimately God's gonna God's gonna make that easier uh, for us in some shape, form, or fashion. <clears throat> Verse nine: The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Also, look at verse twelve. I'd like to think about these together with you. Verse twelve. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Um, The hypocrite, we go back to verse 9, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Um, 
And then this idea of uh, he was devoid of wisdom, despising the neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. So you have this uh, this man of understanding holds back, uh, and the hypocrite uh, or being devoid of wisdom uh, ultimately destroys his neighbor. Um, I guess what comes to my mind the most is this idea of what a great fire uh, we kindle with our mouths. You know, uh, our tongue, uh, I think obviously in James, uh, is such uh, a vital piece of who we are, but yet it is so easy to tear down. Uh, Here it says destroys, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Um, and then this idea of holding your peace, but a man of understanding holds his peace. And you know, you can you can see how this can apply in all kind of different ways with all those we come in contact with. We're either going to be with our mouths, we're either going to be building up, or we're going to be tearing down. That's really the only two options uh, we have. Uh, and he says here, the hypocrite's the one destroying, uh, and a man devoid of wisdom. So ultimately, I think we ought to understand from this, hold our peace. <laughs> you know, those of understanding, uh, the wise will hold back. They won't say everything that's on their mind. They're going to hold back uh, what they're thinking sometimes and not speak it. Um, and then again, at the end of verse 9, but through knowledge, the righteous will be, de- be delivered. Uh, and then, of course, there he says, devoid of wisdom, in verse 12, despises his neighbor. So again, ultimately, let's be mindful of the things we say. Let's be mindful uh, and understand that uh, there's certainly times to just hold back whatever we're thinking. Don't actually speak it. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Don't let it release your lips. Verse 10, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there's jubilation. Um, We certainly know that's not to be true all the time, but... uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy to see good people succeed. I want that. I, I, it brings me joy to see uh, the righteous uh, have success. Uh, but when the wicked perish, I kind of smile, you know. And I think Solomon here is just telling us that's just a fact of life. You know, folks are not going to be wanting you to be successful. They're not going to want you to succeed if you're wicked. Uh there's jubilation when the wicked perish. Uh, and I think we certainly all understand that. We get that, uh, that, you know, if the wicked if the wicked are dying in the community, it's a safer community, I'm happy about that. I think, you know, uh, at least at some level. And that's what he's saying here. Uh, this is understandable, and this is the way it's going to be uh, for the righteous and for the wicked. Verse 11, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Again, the power of the mouth, uh, the power of the tongue, uh, by the blessing of the upright, the city exalted, but is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Uh, you, know, you just, again, I think through or think about what he's saying here uh, about the wicked and the things we've already seen this morning and just what damage the wicked can do. Uh, what damage the wicked can do. Uh, if you think of, think through this, uh, out of the take the city out and put uh, the church by the blessing of the upright, the church is exalted. 
but is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. You know, you think about any any kind of uh, group, um, uh, the mouth of the wicked can destroy it so very quickly. Uh, but again, the blessing of the upright, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Verse 13, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. So be mindful of this when we tell folks things. Uh, somebody's pretty prone uh, to being unfaithful with the message they've been delivered. We ought to know that it's going to get out. A talebearer reveals secrets. That's a fact of life. That's the truth of life. This is what this person does. They're not of a faithful spirit. This is not someone uh, that we would consider uh, faithful. He says here, though, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. And so, you know, not only to be mindful of that, but let's try to be uh, folks that are faithful. Have a faithful spirit. We don't want to. We don't want to be the talebearer. Nobody uh, likes a talebearer. Nobody likes someone that's we call it tattletaling at our house. You know, uh, we got plenty of that going on. Nobody likes that. You know, uh, don't do it. Uh, it's not helpful. Uh, and so, uh, let's all try to be faithful in that. Verse fourteen: Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors. There is safety. I think back to uh, was it Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Uh, I forget which one of them was the one that. Uh, oh, he. Which one was it, Mr. Gary? It was Rehoboam. Was the one that uh, listened to his his buddies basically. Yeah, he wouldn't listen to the wise counselors. Uh, that's who I think of here, and you know, to think that his daddy was the one writing this but he's saying you know um, if you have someone in charge that's not willing to listen to counsel it's not going to go good uh, but in the multitude of counselors there's safety why is that everybody brings a different perspective everybody's looking at this situation from a different angle uh, and if if I think that I've got every piece if I'm looking at any situation I think I've got it all figured out and I understand what's going to happen and I don't need anybody else's advice, that's a bad spot to be. Uh, we ought to be willing and wanting to seek counsel from others because ultimately, you know, other, other wise counsel is going to keep us out of the ditch uh, in a lot of ways. Business, life in general, uh, it doesn't matter. We just don't need to be afraid to uh, ask people to, um, you know, Give us their honest opinion about whatever it is we're facing because uh, in that multitude of counsel, there is safety is what he's telling us there. So seek that. Seek that counsel. Seek that wisdom from others ultimately. He who is a surety, is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. Go to chapter 17. This idea of being surety is very... I don't know. I don't know why I'm, I'm so interested about this, or it just, just intrigues me, I guess, to some level. Verse chapter seventeen, verse eighteen: A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. And so here, you're being surety for a friend, um, and then back you get back into fifth verse or ch- chapter eleven, verse fifteen: He who is surety for a stranger will suffer. But one who hates being surety is secure. Um, this idea of, of speaking 
uh, for someone else, uh, being surety for, for them. I think about it as you know, maybe even co-signing for people on loans, uh, those sorts of things. Um, Solomon's telling us you're going to suffer. <laughs> you're going to get uh, taken advantage of in this situation. Uh, and I, he uses very strong language in my mind, the, the latter part of that, that verse. One who hates being surety secure. Uh, I think we ought to be very careful here about, you know, if, it, if it's speaking for someone else. Uh, I think about it a lot as, you know, rec- recommending someone. Uh, I recommend that um, so-and-so is going to do a good job. And then they show up at your house to fix the sink and it's bad, you know. Uh, they don't do a good job, they charge you too much, you know, whatever, they never show up, whatever it may be. Uh, and then that makes me look bad. Uh, and so be careful with that. Be careful uh, speaking on behalf of someone else, friend or stranger. 16. A gracious woman retains honor, and ruthless men retain riches. Um, a gracious woman retains honor but ruthless men retain riches I don't really know I'm, maybe someone else can help me when, the, when this is over I don't see much here other than just understanding this maybe there's more to it here than, I'm, than I can find myself but uh, it seems to me Solomon's just telling us a gracious woman's going to retain honor we're going to see it uh, in verse 22 uh, well, let's go ahead and read verse 22 I guess while we're Looking at this, verse 22, as a ring of gold and a swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Uh, verse 16 tells us a gracious woman retains honor. She's honorable. Uh, and then he tells there in verse 22, as a ring of gold and a swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. What I understand out of verse 22 is a ring of gold is not supposed to be in a swine snout. It, it, you know, the nastiness of the pig, and then you have a beautiful ring of gold in the swine's snout. It doesn't go. It's not, uh, it's going to get messed up. It's going to be dirty. So is a lovely woman uh, who lacks discretion. It's out of place. You've got a lovely woman, a gracious woman, uh, but she lacks discretion. It's just, they don't go. Uh, They're not... um, She's no longer a lovely woman because she lacks discretion. That, that's what I, what I read out of that. Um, but again, I think in verse 16, he's, just, he's making a statement, a, a statement of fact. A gracious woman retains honor. But ruthless men uh, retain riches. And of course, I, I think he's you know, talking about uh, men of war. At least that's what I think he's dealing with, you know, going and retaining those riches. Uh, which I guess you could think about it in, in just the business sense as well. But ruthless men retain riches. Verse 17, The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The merciful man. Um, I think of the, the passage, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, you know, This idea of we will be... Uh, with what measure we use to judge, it'll be it'll be used to judge against us. Uh, the merciful man does good for his own soul. 
those are the two passages that come to my mind out of the New Testament when I read that verse that if I'm a merciful man, I'm doing my own, uh, myself uh, benefit there. I'm doing good for my own soul. Of course, you can also think about it in terms of uh, a merciful person is going to forgive uh, and through forgiveness, that means we're not going to be hanging on to these things. People, someone wrongs me, uh, I'm merciful in that, and then it does good to me. It doesn't eat at me anymore. You, you know, you kind of think about that. So just think about the person that's merciful, that's forgiving, uh, that's gracious. Uh, you know, he's not. He doesn't retain all those things uh, inside of him to eat him up over time. It doesn't just slowly eat away at him. Then think about the person that's unmerciful. This ungracious, uh, unforgiving, it's just eating away at him all the time. Uh, so, yes, a merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. So that's, what I th- that's the idea I see that's, that's coming across there. Verse 18, The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. I think about that back to verse 1, you know, the, the righteous scales. The wicked man does deceptive work, uh, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Uh, ultimately, I think it, there at the end of the verse, he's dealing with heaven. You know, the righteous, the righteous person, righteousness will have that sure reward. Verse 19, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Um, Again, uh, I think he's dealing spiritually there. Of course, you can make all kind of applications to physically. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Verse 21, Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Uh, He's saying it doesn't matter uh, if it seems they join forces, uh, the wicked are still going to be punished. They might join up. They might uh, do some things together. But ultimately, they're going to be punished. He's not going to let this go. Um, he's not going to let it go on. Verse 23, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Again, I think he's describing this righteous person that we're, that we're talking about. The desire of the righteous is only good. So a righteous person, that's what they long for. That's what they want. But the expectation of the wicked is right. Let's see, verse 24 through... Let's read verse 24 through 26. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich... And he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Look specifically at verse 24 and 25 as, you know, together. Um, This idea of the one who, who scatters uh, he increases more, uh, and then the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. 
what would the world tell you? You know, the world would tell you, you know, uh, get your pencil out, make sure it's really, really sharp, and you, any kind of deal, any kind of business dealing, you don't leave anything on the table. You always, you know, take, 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 and you make sure that you get the maximum amount all the time. Um, you make sure that you're always on top uh, and that that's what's going to lead to, uh, you know, you're making more in this one, you're going to make more in the next one, and that's what's going to lead to riches. That's what's going to lead to wealth uh, is always uh, being that way. But what's he telling us here? That the generous soul will be made rich. He waters will also be watered himself. Think about this in terms of people. Uh, people that invest in other people, people that uh, are generous. They're, they're always giving of their means. They're not hoarding everything for themselves, but they're, they're giving to others. They're helping others in whatever way that they can. Uh, they're the ones that will be made rich. Uh, and, of course, that seems um, pretty counter to what, you know, most people would probably tell you about how to how you become rich. They're not going to tell you to give everything away, give give stuff to other people. But yet, uh, the wisdom here from God is, we need to be these kind of people. We need to be these kind of people that are always willing to give of our means, willing to help others, willing to invest in others. And He's telling us that ultimately that's going to come back and and be a benefit to us uh, in the end. But that's the kind of people that we need to be. Verse 26, The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Um, you know, I don't know exactly. Maybe I hadn't thought all the way through this, but I can at least think about this in terms of... Uh, hey, there's a famine, and this guy's withholding grain. This guy's not selling uh, grain, and folks are going to curse him for it. Uh, and I'm sure there's some people in here that can think of some other scenarios where this is the case. Um, but coming right off of verse 24 and 25, it seems to me that they all kind of are connected to some level. Uh, and he's saying, but the blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. So, again, this idea of not hoarding uh, things for ourselves and always, you know, uh, being willing to give uh, and, and, and do things that are going to benefit others. We're running out of time. Verse 27, He who earnestly seeks good, good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. Seems to me just, just kind of a fact of life. Who, who, who earnestly seeks good finds favor, uh, and the person... Uh, uh, that seeking evil, trouble's going to come. You know, if you're always uh, doing evil things, thinking about evil things, pursuing evil things, trouble's going to get you. Verse 28, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. And we've seen this already uh, several times, this idea of trusting uh, in riches. Verse 29, He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. Um, you know, this idea of troubling your own house, you're going to inherit the wind. You're not going to inherit anything. You know, The wind just cannot be grasped. 
Therefore, you know, it seems to me he's saying you're just you're not going to inherit uh, anything uh, that you can, you know, grab have your hands on uh, if you trouble your own house. And the fool will be made servant of the to the wise of heart. Verse thirty: the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Of course, you can think, at least I think, uh, to the book of John specifically, uh, this idea of uh, the vine bearing fruit and us bearing fruit, being fruitful uh, in our lives, uh, it being a tree of life for us. Uh, you know, we're told that if we give up in this life, we'll gain even much more. Uh, and then again, he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, much, how much more? the ungodly in the center. He's saying here that, you know, look, uh, even the righteous have trouble. Even the righteous are recompensed here. Even the righteous uh, are paid uh, back uh, for those things. How much more do you think uh, that God's going to let this uh, come upon the ungodly in the center? That much more. Uh, And so, uh, again, uh, just another another proverb, another fact of life. Uh, if God lets this happen to the righteous, how much more do you think he's going to let it happen to the ungodly uh, and the sinner uh, in this life? They're certainly going to be recompensed for their evil. They're going to uh, suffer uh, for doing doing evil. I appreciate your time. I hope, you're, I hope you get uh, something out of looking through these proverbs together. Like I say, I certainly enjoy them. And I, I enjoy... Uh, or get benefit out of thinking through these things, trying to figure out and think through application in my own life and what that should mean for me on a day-to-day basis. How do I take these proverbs and apply them uh, in my life, uh, not only when I'm dealing with others, uh, but just in general uh, being uh, just a better person, being more righteous uh, every day. If there's anyone here that uh, has some needs of the saints, we'd ask that you'd come forward while we stand and sing.